Welcome to the Manager Tools Members Only Podcast, preparing for the interview. Hi, everyone. This is Mike, and welcome to this month's Members Only Podcast. Before we get on with this month's content, I want to give you a quick reminder about our upcoming September Effective Manager Tools Conference. Held in beautiful San Antonio, Texas, this upcoming conference promises to be a great one. If you're looking for an opportunity to quickly and demonstrably improve your management skills in a short period of time, the Manager Tools Effective Manager Conference is what you're looking for. However, I'd encourage you not to take our word for it, but go to our website and find out what the attendees of our April conference had to say about it www.manager-tools.com. Mark and I hope we get a chance to meet you there. And with that, now on to the podcast. You know, interviewing candidates for your organization is probably one of the most important things you'll do as a manager. And despite this, it's one of those things that just doesn't seem to get taught anywhere. What this means is that very few managers know how, or at least they just do it their way. And that's not a very effective approach for an organization to have regarding the key talent screening process that it has. But the data overwhelmingly point in one direction. Your interviews stink. Sorry. (laughs) Most managers simply don't have a good way to always ensure that they are conducting an effective interview. Some managers routinely create false positives with shallow questions, little probing, and a lack of understanding about the role. Other managers routinely create false negatives, and usually for the very same reasons on the surface. Conducting effective interviews is too big a topic to cover all at once, unless you wanted a 30-hour podcast. So, in this cast, we'll talk about the steps effective managers take to get ready for an interview. Let's go. I really don't think managers realize how poorly they interview. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, you know, there are some few um, who really do have a special gift. They're very insightful. They pay attention to people. They've got a clear view of how things fit together, people and skills and roles and so on. Um, and they're priceless, right? I mean, those are the kind of people you love to have. I think most people believe that they're they're that person, um, uh, but that, that's unlikely. You're not Michael Jordan. Um, but for the vast majority of us, we really do need a process, a routine that allows us to focus on the right things at the right time. And, and, and if you don't have a process, it, it's not repeatable. And this is one of the core things that organizations do. And if it's not repeatable, you can't learn from it. You can't grow it. Organizationally, you can't improve it. You don't get any benefits from learning from other people because everybody's got their own processes with different ideas and so on. It really is um, a pernicious little miserable little fact of corporate organizational life and growth that we don't. Yeah. Well, I think it's just like Horseman's Christmas rule, right? Which is we don't do it often enough to do it well because we don't practice yeah. yet. And yet it's incredibly important to us. Yeah, I to- totally. I, I agree. Um, and let me, let me just um, add a couple of things. First of all, I'm not so sure it is important to managers. <laughs> you you got to be kidding me, right? No, uh, seriously. Look, look, suppose we were watching a manager engage in their day-to-day behaviors, as we often do, um, and we were only able to infer what was important to them based on what we saw and what we heard. What do you think would be our likely top 
most important thing, the thing that's most important to them? What would be the inference we would first draw based on the data of watching a large number of managers in terms of their behaviors day to day, what they say, what they do, what we see? Yeah, well, <laughs> frankly, there are a lot of things I would like to say, but yeah, unfortunately, right, right. I think I'm going to have to say uh, email. Yeah, this, you know, this is where being a high C is really to your benefit because it's about the data. Look, you get in the, you, you watch enough videos, you listen to enough tapes of managers, um, and you, I don't care what your opinion is. I don't care what you'd like it to be, right? I mean, what, what I would like it to be for that matter, you, you, you just go, oh, it's easy. There's the data, and the pile of data is irrefutable, and I totally, completely agree with you. It would be email. Yeah, and unfortunately, it, it doesn't really mean that much. I mean, it just most of that or a lot of that just does not matter. Yeah, you know, I would even say that it, you you might. You, we probably couldn't tell it from videos or audio, but we could probably tell if we got into it a little bit. It, it, it's it's a little bit of um, it's not even the quality of the email. It's just staying on top of it. I mean, literally, the task is not good email. It's not good communication. It's not in depth communication. It's not relationship building. It's not decision making. It's not pushing the peanut forward. It is literally staying on top of email. It's almost like our jobs are to move chairs around. Or, <clears throat> or to make sure the building's always clean. Um, you know, staying on top of email doesn't deliver any value. Uh, there, might, there might be a benefit in responding quickly. Um, but, but anyway, um, sorry. Um, but look, honestly, could we truly infer that interviews were important based on how most managers approach them? Well, of course not. <laughs> I see it all the time. They see that they see them on their on their calendars, but they don't prep for them to any notable degree whatsoever. Right, right, they just right. Cram them into their day, or they shorten them, or move them around. Right. You know, if we were doing a Drucker analysis, we'd have to say, well, this interviewing thing obviously isn't that important to this manager. Yeah. Uh, so that's my first comment. Uh, um, that it, it may be important in, a, in an analysis, in, a, in a, uh, a dry, academic, esoteric analysis or analysis of organizational strengths and growth and so on. But there's no evidence suggests that there is um, in any large context in terms of behavior, which is really what is the engine of growth in organizations, which is behavior. The second one is, the second point I want to make about what you're saying is, well, uh, you, you said something about practicing, about the Christmas rule and practicing, and I just thought, holy moly, once we roll out the full set of interviewer casts, we ought to seriously consider a one- or two-day conference on interviewing. Yeah, of course. And for the practice. Yes, exactly. I totally agree. Yeah, the, the introductions, the warm-up, the big questions, how to probe, how to decide. You know, God, we, we've got so much to share, where to sit, how to greet, all that stuff. Yeah, where to sit. Uh Man, when I share that with people, they're just like, no, no, not really. I'm like, yeah, really. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. And, and we have a rationale, which is different than this is where I always sit. <laughs> I love that. Well, Mark, this is where I always sit. Oh, because you're always interviewing people, right? No, not, not really. Oh, okay. So what might work best for interviewing? Well, I, I don't really know. Well, <laughs> that's why I'm here. Um, look, I, I think about it for a second. This feels like two days even. Uh, particularly if we start showing them how to analyze resumes and how to go through the preparation, all of which we have practice sessions for. Yeah, this is a, this is a great idea. I love yeah. it. I mean, look, good. And since you mentioned prepped, <laughs> now, now, so now you got my mind going on 
uh, how we're going to uh, do this, what we're going to yeah. do, and I don't uh, want to no, sit here no, and no, focus no, on no, this no, podcast. No, I got a uh, whole but, can of sh- I got a whole can of sh- over here for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so okay, so I'll, I'll get my mind around what we got to do now. So probably a good time to launch into the cast itself. So right, what steps do we recommend effective managers take to prepare for the interview? Well, there are six steps, and I but but I don't know if I've ever done this. I'm going to start with a caveat. Two of our steps today, review the candidate's resume and application and prepare the interview, um, take separate casts for different reasons. It would make for an incredibly long cast, hours, uh, if we try to do all of this, all six steps and all the detail that each of the six steps required. The two biggest steps, um, reviewing the candidate's resume uh, and prepare the interview, really are significant. Um, and so what we want to do is think of today, this cast, as a detailed overview, I guess if, if there is such a thing as a detailed overview. Um, I'm sure every high C in the world thinks that's what I want out of life is a detailed overview. Um, <laughs> um, and the high eyes say, that's the whole point of an overview. It's not detailed. And I don't care about details anyway. Um, uh, but look, so we, want to give a, <laughs> we want to give a detailed overview for the preparatory phase. Please don't think that we're, because today we're leaving two meaty parts out of it, um, you can't use it as is. The remaining steps, I mean, and we're, and we're going to touch on all six, um, but all six steps are quite valuable. Uh, and it's far better when you're fundamentally changing the way you're doing a core process or what ought to be a core managerial process, even if we couldn't infer that from your behavior up until now. It's far better to do this stuff a bit at a time anyway, in my, my experience. Yeah, yeah I uh, absolutely agree there. Yeah. Learn the steps you can, incorporate them, and then add the bigger ones once you've mastered what we've got here that we talk about in a little bit of detail. Cool. Okay. So Good. what are we going to recommend? Six steps. Schedule some time, prepare the interview, review the job description, review the resume and application, make a 360 note, and take five for the next three. Well, that last one sounds pretty interesting. Um, I figured we're always so boring, I figured I'd try to tease everybody to stick around with us till the end. Well, okay, I see. Um, Would you like to make fun of my... <laughs> Lame attempt at uh, a teaser ad, or you want me to just walk through the six? Well, I I did want to make fun of it because I yeah. did, <laughs> but I'd also like you nice. to walk through nice. the, the six things. Okay, so number one, schedule time. Yes, uh, schedule time. There are some strategic reasons for this that I uh, that will become clear, uh, as well as tactical ones around this. But basically, what we're saying here is you need one or two hours on your calendar, okay, to adequately adequately prepare to conduct an effective interview. The difference between one and two is based on step two, which is preparing the interview, um, um, whether you're going to have to prepare a behavioral interview or not, but we'll discuss that in step two. Before you do anything else, put one or two hours on your calendar that are dedicated to completing these steps. And, and the strategic point I want to make here, we're really going to start recommending this more regularly, the, the scheduling time thing, quite frankly. Why is that? Um, because I keep seeing managers who are learning this stuff with big swaths on their calendar unscheduled. They just will not either schedule stuff that we talk about. In fact, some managers don't even schedule one-on-ones, which just seems, please, I, I, apparently we... 
<laughs> we've gotten terribly confused. Um, but but um, managers just say, yeah, I know how to do that now. And then they don't put it on their calendar. Um, and I, I just think that's a very dangerous practice, he, particularly for the new newer managers who who if they're not careful, we'll learn a bunch of bad habits from the older or more experienced managers and then struggle the way the experienced managers do when they become executives. It's a dangerous practice to, to leave your calendar unscheduled, to know that you have to do X before you do Y, and then not put X on your calendar when Y is happening at a time certain date, like an interview always is. Uh, if you want to grow into executive life, you've got to start building the underpinnings of what makes you good as an executive. And priorities and schedule management are the keystones of executive life. If you don't do it now, you, what, what's going to happen is some executives are going to be sitting around in a room and they're going to be talking about Bob, the, the potential future executive. And they're going to say, you know, guy gets a lot done, but he sure is busy. And they say, yeah, you know, he's always busy and um, and I get the sense that whenever I ask him to do something, he's got this great attitude, he's willing to do it, and, you know, he hits a lot of home runs, but, man, I just don't – I wonder where the strategic piece on that guy is. I mean, I wonder if he says yes to everything or if he just says yes to stuff that senior people ask. Um, I wonder if he's got good relationships. I wonder if he's spending time doing that. I wonder if he's sharpening the saw. Um, and and i got to tell you, there are plenty of executives who will actually take a minute and walk over and say, hey, show me your calendar. Um, and, and, of course, the young upwardly mobile uh, manager – the yummy, I guess, is what you would call them. The yummy um, basically says, "Sure, prints it out." It says, "Here you go," and then wonders why things get cooler between him and that executive going forward. Yeah, and the executive, yeah, you know what? The first things that get eaten in a corporate life, yummies, yummy bears. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna get some notes about this, some email okay. about this. I'm sure. But, but, um, but pri- priority management, I, I I got it. I totally, totally agree with that. Okay, good. Good. Um, and look, in addition, in this case, we're talking about scheduling re- related to interviewing, preparation, scheduling time for preparation for the interview. In this case, you want to be able to go back over your calendar when you next have to interview and be reminded that you did take time to get ready for the interview. You know, basically what you want is a placeholder on, on your calendar, a reminder, so you don't keep telling yourself that you'll get to it. And then allow other folks to put stuff less important on your calendar uh, or allow you to say, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Even though there's nothing on there, you keep pushing it off because you're focusing on urgent and not important. This leads to unprepared for interviews. And in general, that leads to less than effective and at best and at worst, lousy outcomes. And the great thing about an hour um, or two is that you can do all of this at once. If you don't schedule time for this activity, which is fairly unique, you're going to end up starting and stopping it five to ten times in the week leading up to the interview. And then you're going to waste a lot of time with what we call resumption costs because you have to get back into the, the details of it. Um, you got to get back into the details of the job, the candidate, the interview questions, etc. When you do it all together in that one or two hours, uh, uh, you essentially save yourself those resumption costs and you'll learn a heck of a lot more too. When we focus, we tend to get better faster. And basically what you're doing is attenuating the Christmas rule a little bit. Yeah, I I love that last point. I mean, you and I both are so busy. If we don't focus, we get stuff done. But it's so tactical sometimes that we lose that kind of iterative learning. We're just doing. We're not doing and learning. Yeah, that is me 
a lot more than I care to admit. Um, okay, and one more thing about scheduling time rather than piecemealing this whole preparatory process. If you're interviewing four people for the same job, you don't need four hours. Uh, you may need 90 minutes, but there are steps here, obviously, that aren't candidate-specific. It's just the resume and application steps that are specific. I would tell you to not schedule more than an hour because once you start doing this, you're going to want to finish anyway. Uh, and if you run over a little bit on your schedule, that's probably okay. And since you have unscheduled swaths of time on your calendar anyway, I'm guessing that you'll have some time left over. And if it's important enough to you, you'll push things around. And let's push other things around other than one-on-ones rather yeah. than this. Yep. Okay. So prepare for the interview. Okay. Preparing the interview. Um Surely I have beaten this point to death um, in, in other places at other times. But look, if you have a way of creating a behavioral interview, you've got to do that now. Okay? Creating the interview comes first before reviewing candidates and backgrounds. Now, here's where the one or two hour decision comes in. If you have to create the interview, do so. It'll probably take you about an hour. Uh, I'm guessing that's what we recommend based on our process. And if you don't have to, because you're going to do it differently, you're not going to create a really professional high-level resume, you can save yourself an hour. Wait, 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 wait. wait let's, let's, be, let's be clear about creating the interview because I think you're talking about something very specific here. You're talking about using a tool or something professional or something with some distinctive intellectual property in it, some sort of tested device, Right. Oh yeah, gosh, yeah. I, I probably I'm probably just skipping over it. I'm sorry. Um, I get so focused on having the tool, on building my interviewing life around the tool that I just assume. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, because we, we have an interview tool, right? I mean, right. right. It's one of the most powerful tools we have. To, to many managers, though, they think that because they hear the phrase "tell me about a time when." that they can just throw together a good interview with a few samples from their experience. And yeah, they, they, exactly. They tack that on the front, and they think they've created a good behavioral interviewing question. Is yeah, that, it, that, it's not true. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't work. I mean, you've got yeah. to analyze the job to understand all facets of it, and you've got to be sure that you're asking the right questions. It, it, it's not easy. Really, let's face it, it's almost impossible without a good deal of work. Yeah, and you know um, – it's, it's the way you said that is very, very, um, very precise. And I want to add a couple of things to it that I, as I hear you saying it, the stuff that we tell clients all the time, I, I start listening and I go, okay, wait, I got to add this. Many managers right now are probably going to want to say, well, but what I've been doing has been working so well and I haven't been using such a tool, right? I'm, I'm not using that. They would say I get good candidates. So therefore my interviews are good. And, you know, I hate to go all Latin on you, but that is the classic <laughs> post hoc ergo propter hoc argument. Oh, God. Right? Horseman went, went Latin on you. <laughs> Latin. <laughs> Don't make me go Latin on you. Uh, I got a whole can of Latin over here for you. Um, for as much effort as we put into assessing raw materials, for as many systems and forms and steps and double checks we have for new vendors, for as careful as we are about managing our firewalls to keep stuff from coming in, um, what data can come through, we then go and ruin it by not making the process we have for hiring people as rigorous, as repeatable, as rewarding as it could be. If you believe that the way you have been interviewing is good enough, you are forgetting demographic changes, MySpace, Facebook, technology, instant messaging, all kinds of things that make the candidate pool today, more so than before, a constantly moving target. We have got to upgrade our talent screening processes. 
or we're going to start making mistakes at a time when it takes longer and longer to fill our positions. False positives and false negatives today carry much bigger penalties than they did a few years ago, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, boy, thanks for adding that because you're absolutely right. I, I, you know, I think managers tell themselves they're just too busy, and yeah, you know, yeah. But today it's not going to cut it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay, I'm sorry I interrupted. I just I hear you talking. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah I got to add more. I got to add more. So my my bad. Um, you were talking about the tool. Yeah, right, right. I mean, we have a tool in, internally that that you know, we own, it's our intellectual property. Um, and I, I guess we can share, we have it, we have some clients using it. We haven't made it um, terribly broadly available, but right. you know, it, it, there, I think there are other tools like, it. I think ours, ours is particularly good, but yes. in, in an hour you can create based on any job, the most powerful interview template you can possibly imagine. I mean, you know, what I love that it's tailored to the job and it's it's just a great way to spread the field, as we say, to make the hiring decision a little bit easier. You know, it's not yet ready for individual managers. So again, we share with some of our, our 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 clients, but it will be. And when it is, we're of course going to, as you might imagine, recommend it here. But imagine a ten question behavioral interview, completely tailored to the job, with an important introduction for the interview, each question verbatim, how to evaluate the answers, room for notes as well as places for you to add your own questions, technical or otherwise. I mean, once you see it, you'll, you'll never want to go back to your old way. You're right. There, if you do it once, you're sold. Basically, you only have to do it once for each job, too. I mean, once you analyze the job and you put it through the process, um, uh, you're done with that job. You may want to do it again in a few years, but but basically, as long as that job stays relatively the same, you can use that interview. And because you only have to do it once for each job, you only have to add one hour to the process. So yeah, if you're interviewing another guy uh, uh, six months later, you're going to use the same interview, and you won't have to re, you won't have to have another hour long interview preparation time. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons why you you want to use the same behavioral interview for the same job. Yes, each time, yeah, right? oh, that's part of the repeatableness, right? I mean, yeah. the repetitiveness or repeatability, I guess is I don't know if that's a word or not, but yes, you absolutely want repeatability, uh, so you can compare Joe to Bob to Terry to Jane, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so look, so so okay, we were alluding to the idea of interview preparation tool. If you've got one at your corporation, use it, right? But a lot of managers don't. A lot of managers want to make it their own. They say, no, 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 I'm really good at this. I've got my own team. I know my team, everything else. That's not the point. The point is asking questions around a job for a particular set of individuals or or one individual goes beyond any one person's natural ability to come up with a repeatable high quality, measurable, sustainable process, which those kind of words, repeatable, measurable, sustainable, high quality, those are the things we use for all other parts of the organization, except for human resources, it seems like. So this is just a way to apply that to a critical part of what we do. So look, when you're preparing the interview, you've really only got three choices. One is to use a professional tool. That's what top companies are doing now, more and more and more and more. That requires one hour once, for any job you're going to interview for. The second choice is to write down a few questions that you think are appropriate for the interview and go with that. Now, look, if you're thinking that you're going to ask questions from the resume, great. But remember, that doesn't mean that the skills they're going to talk about are the ones you need. But whatever. If that's what you want to do, that's okay. Okay? (laughs) And if you really want to just slide on by, just use uh, the basic quick and dirty interview cast uh, um, I, when it, whenever that comes out, um, 
then that'll give you a, a tool that you can uh, um, that you can use. It, it's uh, it, it's it's certainly not intended for someone interviewing for themselves, but it could be used that way if you really don't care about the outcome. It's better than nothing, but uh, not for somebody who will be working for you potentially for years. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, well, that that brings us to the job description. Right. Number three, review the job description. Um, we're going to talk later about using both a pen and a highlighter in the re- resume, but for now, either one will work just fine. Um, <clears throat> and you've got to have that and whatever passes for job description. We're not going to create one here for you, but we do have a cast on creating one that, again, will come out at some point. We'll see what we can do about publishing the Quick and Dirty Job Description cast fairly closely to this one. I, I don't know where we'll be in terms of publication times, but regardless. As you go through the job description, note with that pen or that highlighter what you see as being most important for you for this role for the foreseeable future. All we're doing here is getting you to think about the job. We're, we're reconnecting with the job. We're, we're, we're sort of getting back to center, if you will. Um, this step is designed to remind you what you need to be thinking about for the job, which is really what the interview is about. Okay, But most managers don't tend to think this way. Um, <clears throat> they tend to look at who, who they basically see interviewing as a race between everybody who's in front of them. And, and rather than making the job the standard and saying, unless you meet my standard for the job, there is no race, um, a race only begins if more than one person meets the standard. But managers miss that, forget to set a standard, and said, I'm just going to have a race and we'll see who wins. And, and, and the only reason they would say no to somebody who wins a race is if they just really were very far away from um, what, what, they, what in, their gut, in their gut their job was. So the idea is by reconnecting with the job and the basics of the job. Now, you may discover the job description is bad, and okay, that's fine. Um, then you need to maybe write some notes on it. Um, but, but for purposes of an interview, you've got to reconnect with the job. Yeah, um, in, this, in this step, you might find that the, the job has changed some way. Maybe you need to update yeah. your, your perspective of what the job is. Yeah, it could be as simple as literally writing three or four lines in the bottom and then giving it to HR when you're done and say, look, we need to rework this. And, and you don't need to make it a process. You don't need to make it a big formal process. Just say, I want to scratch this out. I want to add this. I want to add this. I want to add this. Change it, please. Yeah. And if HR says, no, we don't do that. We've got to have a committee, everything else. Fine. Whatever. Keep your notes. Put them in the file with the job and the interviews. And the next time somebody needs a job description, rewrite it or or just use that, your updated version, because you're the manager. You know the job as best as anybody else other than perhaps the people who do it. Yeah. yeah. And another opportunity. I mean, when we're interviewing, we're always trying to raise the bar relative to the candidates we're getting. Yes. But what we're talking about here is the opportunity to raise the bar relative to what the standard is. Yes. Know? So, okay. Next is review of the resume and application. Right. Um, and and we, we, we mention application because if you've got one, well, sure, of course, review it. Um, I'm amazed at people that they don't even look at it. Uh, generally less so in management positions and certainly less so in executive positions. But if you've got one, take a minute and look at it. It's more data. And, and the purpose of interviewing is to say no and if you had all the data on every candidate ever, you would say no to everyone. So therefore, more data is generally better. Um, I'm being a little facetious, but fundamentally, the, the fundamental underlying truth of that is more data is better before you say yes or no. Okay. Now, in this particular case, we've got we've got four sub areas here, um, but we're just going to give a little bit of an overview. 
um, because uh, we don't have time to share the effective resume review model. Um, we do have three simple suggestions. And I really do hope, I think, that some managers are doing some of these. But if you're not, it's very easy to start these three things right away. And, and I think it's an important process note here. Um, do this in the order we're suggesting. Uh, if you do this, the reviewing the resume and application, before you review the job description, it, it will not, this review will not be as connected to the job as it should be. Yeah, so you definitely point. want to do this at step four. You don't, want to, you don't want to just say, well, well, wait, I don't have the job description right now, so I'm going to go ahead and review the resumes. No, review the resumes. Uh, review the job description first. And before you review the job description to some degree, go through the... Um, Go through the interview preparation tool. Okay, yeah, This is related so, to back to the scheduling time, though. If you put an hour or two aside on your calendar and do this all at the same time, it'll be even more effective. Way, so, way better. Totally right. right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Being connected with the position before you do this is is critical. And if, you, if you're doing it a, a week after you reviewed the the uh, the job description, you're not going to have yeah, it. Yeah, so. exactly. And I'll mention something else here for some people who say, boy, things are fluid here. I don't know that I want to hire for the job. I want to hire for the future. We're going to talk about the future in just a little bit. Uh, we're not suggesting that this is so rigid that if you review people for the job and you say, God, nobody meets the job, but this guy's really great and I still want to hire him. We have no problem with saying, look, we need to rework this job a little bit to allow this person to come on board because they're so good. You might think that never happens, but at the executive level, that's how it happens. At the highest level of organizations, one of the first things they do when they think about roles is they say, okay, Let's not assume the role is exactly right. In fact, one of the things we worry about in, in, in senior positions when we have to fill one is if we're having to fill it twice within a year or 18 months, we may have a widowmaker on our hands where literally the position is just not doable. It's changed enormously since the industry or the, the marketplace or, or our technology or our structure or whatever um, has changed. And, and um, so you've got to be able to consider people as well as structure. And I tell people all the time that structure is where you start, but it's not where you finish. So we're not suggesting that when you review the job description, that's the only thing you're going to use. You may get done with this and say, boy, we've got six people here and only one of them stands out. Yeah. And he, he's missing something key for this job. And then the question is, do we want this person? Can he do this job? Will he struggle? But then can he help us in some other area? And would I be willing to take a little bit less and look at this job a little bit differently? Because I think the kind of candidates we're going to see, the kind of technologies we're going to see, the kind of backgrounds we're going to see are going to be fundamentally different going forward. And we may need to use this interviewing process as a way to relook the kind of uh, uh, um, the kind of screening that we do. Um, so we're not suggesting that the job description is black and white, but but you've got to put that together with the resume and application and really make a good hard look at everybody that you're doing based on both of those factors. Okay. Um, but this, the re reviewing the resume and the application have to happen after, after we take a look at the job description. Okay. 4A is, this is, this is, uh, um, some people are going to laugh at me, um, that I make a distinction between a highlighter and a pen. But nevertheless, the 4A step is first with a highlighter and then with a pen. And this means what you do is you go over the application and, and much more importantly, the resume with a highlighter first. Anything that catches your eye highlight it. Anything that seems particularly important to you, highlight it. I'm not going to give you any criteria about what is important or not. Anything that you think is important, highlight it. Okay. Then after you've highlighted the documents, go back through looking at only what you've highlighted and underline what seems most important of the highlights. 
It could be anything. It could be a date. It could be an accomplishment. It could be job responsibilities. It doesn't matter. The point is, hopefully with a one or two page resume or heck, I have a six page resume for all I know, there's going to be a lot on there. You're not going to have time. If you're not careful, if you just highlight, if you just circle things that are of interest to you, you could spend all your time focusing on their resume. That is the wrong approach to interviewing. You've got to have the right questions to ask. Now, there's something to be said. When we go into the more detailed uh, process that we're going to talk about in a series of casts or a separate cast, one of the things we're going to say is you should know that you should review the questions you're going to ask up front, and then you should circle the accomplishments that most likely to you would be the ones that relate to that question and hope that they get to it. And if they don't use one of the accomplishments that you find very interesting in the resume, you then have to have time to ask about that particular accomplishment that you thought would come up and did not because you want to hear about what it was they did in that particular situation. Um, you don't. We're not suggesting you have to do that here, but the whole point is you want to go through this twice so that you only have a few things on the resume so that the resume review, in other words, asking about everything they've done and how they've done it, is not the only part of the interview. If you make the resume, if all you do is highlight once, you're going to ask too many questions. If you truly try to get to all the highlights, you're going to ask too many questions from the resume and you're not going to have time for the right behavioral questions based on the needs of the job. We don't interview from the candidate toward the job. We interview from the job toward the candidate. Good point. Yeah, I, 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 and, and so what I've discovered is you've got to do two swaths. You've got to do two runs through the documents. One right. time, anything's interesting, and the second time, okay, of that, what is most interesting to me? And hopefully people will think, okay, of the stuff I've highlighted, what do I need to underline that really is critical for the job? And then there may only be three or four points. Maybe it's more than that. I don't know. It depends on the person. It depends on whether you're high C or high I or high S or D. It doesn't matter. The point is you want to narrow twice so that you don't end up making the entire job about their resume. Good. Okay? Okay. Yeah. 4B, focus on accomplishments. Okay, you've already gone through with a highlighter and then with a pen, and this is pretty simple. When you're reviewing their resume, whether you've highlighted them or not, go back through all of their accomplishments and evaluate how you feel about them. How good are they? How big are they? Do they make sense? Do they relate well to the job you're interviewing for? Accomplishments are so important. I I, I say this sometimes. I, I don't know that I've mentioned it before on a on a public cast, but I say it so often to clients, if you get a resume that has nothing but responsibilities, that person is indistinguishable from a person who got fired in their last, in every one of their jobs. Because a person who gets fired from a job never lists accomplishments, they only list responsibilities. And the vast majority of resumes I get have nothing but bulleted responsibilities. And of course, responsibilities aren't supposed to be bulleted, folks. They're supposed to be in a separate paragraph in prose with accomplishment bullets underneath them. But, but if all you get is responsibilities, you don't know how well the person did. And who is the person most wanting to hide how well they did? the person who got fired. So literally, the person who doesn't know how to prepare a resume to include accomplishments looks to many recruiters like somebody who got fired from every one of their jobs. So you've got to focus on accomplishments. And if you don't see a whole lot, that should be a big red flag for you. Yeah, it may mean that they don't know how to prepare a resume. And then hopefully they'll blow you away in the interview. But not always the case. And some people say to me, well, Mark, I know he's good. His resume doesn't really show it. You know, it's got responsibilities. When I interviewed him and he really is not as a good communicator, but I really like the guy. And I said, I'm sorry. The purpose of interviews is to say no. 
If you don't have a mountain of data to say yes, but you just don't want to say no, you're absolutely going about it backwards. Um, so you've got to look for accomplishments. And you've got to, the, the people who tend to be successful, the ones where you look at their accomplishments, you go, wow, okay, this is the person we want. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. And it's not responsibilities. It's accomplishments. Okay. Um, and, and, and of then, course, you're, of course, you're looking for accomplishments that have some bearing to the position that you just reviewed a short time ago, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? And maybe even one at your level or your boss's level. That'd be sweet as well. Unlikely, maybe, yeah. but sweet. Okay. Uh, but if you don't look at accomplishments, you'll never know. And then last, something that I think a lot of, I'm, I'm surprised people don't really get this one, and that's review timing. It's skipped a lot. Um, make a timeline if you have to of the jobs they've had, in what order, and how long they held each one. This may very well lead to questions about why they left, which is something that is never on a resume, yet is surprisingly important. It also helps you to see career progression, but I found that telling people to look at career progression doesn't really help the analysis. So I tell people, focus on timing and allow the progression to be uh, um, an inference to be drawn from the timing that they put together. And I literally write down months and, and years um, for the various jobs and, and, and count the number of months to make sure that I understand why they took as long as they did in various places. Different companies have different timelines, different ladders, and so on. But over time, you're going to begin to get a sense of which job should take the longest and which shouldn't. So that's really it. There are three simple high-level steps. Um, uh, <clears throat> first with a highlighter, then with a pen, then go through for accomplishments specifically, and then take a look at timing. Um, and, and again, we've got a bunch more. I mean, this is, I really do think this is multiple casts, Mike. But, but um, for now, without going into that full resume review, that's a good start. Yeah, well, it's a great start. I, I love it because it's, it's, just, it's just a repeatable process. And if we follow it regularly, if we do it all the time, we do this process, even just these three, four steps, three steps, if we do it every time, we're going to learn every time. Yeah. And that's what I meant by that strategic comment I made earlier, that there, the, the, the point about, about scheduling it, there's, there's strategic implications for that. And again, that, that flows through a lot of this stuff is that you're going to learn each time. You're going to become a better interviewer the more you do it this way. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if, if you don't do it this way, then you're going to, you're going to fall prey to the Christmas rule and it's going to be stressful every time. It's going to be important every time. And at the end of it, when you're done, you're not sure what happened, but you're not sure it was great either. Right. Yeah. And it's a good one time and then bad the next. You say, well, what did I do yeah. differently? Oh, you don't exactly. know what you did differently because you, you don't didn't know have what a you, process. Yes, exactly. You don't know what you did differently. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Two more steps. Right. Number five, make a 360 note. What's that? Yep. This is my small contribution to the, quote, getting hired for technical reasons and getting fired for interpersonal reasons problem. Okay. Gee, we ought to be thinking about how someone would be getting along with the folks we already have. So here's how we do it. Look, you gotta, right? I mean, you think this person's great for the job and then they come in and you wonder why nobody likes him. Well, it's because you didn't think about whether anybody would like him or not. Um, Make a list of all of this role's directs, their direct reports, and all of this role's peers, and of course, this role's boss, which we assume is you, Ms. Manager, somewhere on this interview form, on the interview form, surely you have a form, right? Uh, somewhere, oh, please, if somebody tells me I, I, I use a, a, a lined notepad, I'm going to be, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, anyway, okay, somewhere on the interview form you're going to use 
uh, to evaluate this person. Maybe the last page, maybe the first, maybe on each page, write down the list, the 360 list. Okay. I always put mine at the end and I just compare the person to each of the folks on the list to see whether or not they'd click or wouldn't and, and whether or not they click. Um, I just find that very helpful. It, it certainly helps to know everybody's disk profile, but you don't need that. You absolutely don't need that. If you have the time and the resources, go do it. Great. Great. We love it. Uh, it'll help you. It'll give you insights. Um, certainly pay more attention to those relationships. They're going to be more frequent. Um, but I can tell you too many times that the person was perfect for the job and they didn't think about how they'd get along with everybody else. And too many managers are allowing people to get hired that haven't been interviewed by their future peers. And we recommend that, of course. Um, so look, this step, step helps you think about asking a question designed to see how this person will get along with a particular peer or subordinate. If they're going to have a sharp or important direct who is also difficult to manage but is, but is important, right, valuable, you better ask about that in the interview. At a minimum, look at your list and ask how well would this person fit in with the group. Um, and I recommend you do an individual comparison, and then the, the combination of all the individual comparison makes up the group fit pretty simply. Um, but look, if you get through the interview and you realize that this per, one of this person's directs, uh, you're interviewing a manager, um, is very valuable, but but high-strung or very difficult to manage or way technical and not interpersonal, ask them, tell me about a time where you've had to manage a high performer who maybe didn't always get along well. What did you do? How did you do it? And what were the results? And when they say, well, gee, actually, I was really lucky. I had a team of four people. They were all like my best friends, and uh, I built them from scratch. I hired them. And, uh, you know, in fact, one of the things I'm looking for is a job that doesn't have those kind of issues because I really believe the team spirit is really important. Uh, that's oh. good to hear. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> they, good to hear. Now, glad nice it. knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad, I, yeah. I'm glad I know it now because you're not going to be hired. Or yeah. if you think the person's great and they can overcome it, fine. Build a process in to make them, to help them overcome it in the before they get hired in the first 90 days that they're there. Maybe, absolutely, you can do that. Good. Okay, now what I've been waiting for, now on to the mysterious last step. Take five for three. What is that? Yeah, take five for the next three. I, you know, I was just being cute. I'm sorry. It means only this. Stop what you're doing. Put down the pen and the highlighter. Take five minutes and ask yourself this question, either for each candidate or for the job as a whole. What will the next three years here be like for this person? And what can I ask or do that will help me see their longer-term fit rather than just filling this job? Look, I think too many managers miss their responsibility to think about the future and that it starts with the growability and the potential of those folks we're hiring. We can't just rely on internal development. And quite frankly, no, very few people even do that, it seems like. Um, we've got to build it into the process, uh, the front-end process, by looking for folks who have more upside, all of the things being equal, and of course they never are. Don't think about them working with the folks around them. That's going to change 10 times in the next three years. Everybody says, our organization never changes. And then I get there and it's like, wow, you guys are changing every six months. It changed a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, and suddenly, wow, we're 75% different three years later. Okay. The, the, organizational, the, the, the relationships in the organization are going to change 10 times in the next three years. But you can think about culture, you can think about their skills, you can think about their growth history, how well have they grown up until now and how much more will we ask them to grow, about their leadership potential if they're going to have more and more people working for them, if they're in a role that causes them to grow into more managerial uh, responsibilities. 
It's not necessarily a complete analysis of the future, but we've got to start somewhere. And so we take five minutes. And before we finish this interview preparation process, we say, look, what will the next three years be like for this person? And what can I ask or do or how and what insight can I gain that will help me see their longer term fit rather than just filling their job? That's it. Awesome. It's just a placeholder. It's just a placeholder. Think about the future, folks. Think about the future. Don't, as they say at X-Files, fight the future because you will lose. Yeah. Okay. There's my- that, that's cool. I mean, we didn't. We have so much more to to talk about <laughs> when it comes to interviewing. But but yeah. for now, it's a pretty good start. You know, six easy steps on how to prepare for an interview. We've got a schedule time. Two, prepare the interview. Three, review the job description. Start with the job, then go to the candidate. Four, review the resume and application, highlight and pen. Yep. Five, make a three sixty note. And six, the infamous, now famous, take five for the next three. There you go. All right, my friend. Thank you, sir. Thank you much. See you. Well, there you go. Not everything we have to say about interviewing, but a very good start. As always, let us know what you think on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com slash forums. Love to see you there. So until next time, so long. So long.